Hey there, I'm Heidi Higgins, and you are listening to K-12 on Learning. For a short while, when I was very young, I lived near my grandparents. It was during this time I remember my first experience with money. Grandma had invited me to help her with a charter home, and when the task was complete, she took my hand and gave me a quarter. I held it like a treasure. I knew it was valuable because my grandmother treated it as though it was. Over the days and weeks that followed, I would help her with additional little chores, and she would add more coins to my collection. I remember asking her when I would earn some real money, you know, the green stuff. (laughs) She patiently showed me that I could trade in some of the coins I had earned, and she would exchange them for paper dollars. I remember thinking that it surely did take a lot of coins to equal a paper dollar. I am grateful for those early conversations that helped me begin to understand money, finances, budgeting, and goal setting. Our children need and want us to have these conversations with them. They need the confidence that knowing what to do with money can provide. In our episode today, I have invited Joseph Oakley, host of the Enjoy More 30s podcast. Mr. Oakley is a certified financial planner and helps advise families with their money questions. He uses his podcast to specifically educate young families on how to make their money work for them. Welcome, Joseph. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Heidi. Thank you so much for having me on today. We're honored to have you join us. Will you please share a little bit more about your background? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I live still and grew up in northern New Jersey. And so I went to school in New Jersey and uh, went for a degree in finance, thinking that I would commute into New York City like so many people around me did. And fortunately, one of my professors brought in what was called a financial planner, which I'd never heard of before. And so they went through how you could actually use math and statistics and all this stuff that I enjoyed, but to help actual real people. So I was like, great, I don't have to sell my soul for you know the next 10 years going into, into New York. And so I hooked up with this company that I'm still with, New Horizons, got an internship here. And almost 15 years later, I've been working here ever since. I was fortunate enough to meet my wife, uh, Lauren, at college. She's a social media marketer. And we have two awesome young kids, Avery, who's five, and Noah, who's two. And so when we start our family and we're building things out and I'm working here and I'm learning all these things to try to help other people out there and with their finances and with their money, I just did the kind of the same stuff for myself. You know, if I'm learning how to help John and Mary, I'm going to apply those same principles to me. So when I went from single to married to having kids, every new life step created new financial challenges, new goals. And as I was learning to adapt to those with my training, I realized that the people around me were not at all ready to deal with that stuff. And I was one of the few people that had the knowledge and the resources just by complete dumb luck to be able to help myself. And when I looked online and I said, okay, what is out there for young people, young families in particular, middle-class people that don't maybe have the knowledge that they should, what is out there for them? And when I went onto my podcast app, I found absolutely nothing. There's like, you know, 100,000 different podcasts out there to help you if you're about to enter retirement. But for when you're young and you can actually make a really big difference and make life easier for the next 30 years, 
there was nothing. So I felt like I needed to fill that void. And that's why I, I created my Enjoy More 30s Family Finance podcast to try to help all those people out there that, that don't get the advice and education that they really should have available to them. That is excellent. Where did you start that interest in being able to work with finances? Where did that begin for you? I mean, really, like a lot of people, I think they look to their parents, to what they did. So my father was kind of a business guy in general. And so I decided to do finance in school just because. So I never had a, a clear direction of, hey, I'm going to be a financial planner because, like I said, I didn't even know it existed <laughs> until college. But I'm just so fortunate that this is where I wound up in the direction that I went into because helping people with their money and helping them really do the things that make them happy in life it just gives me so much energy. It gives me so much reward for my job. If I was just behind a computer screen helping some large company make even more money or have another yacht, that's not so fulfilling for me. So it's nice working with people that I, I feel like I'm like, that I relate to, and seeing them just you know be more confident and calm and secure in their situation to go out and make life more enjoyable today for them and their family. That's all that they have to worry about. Uh, if I can help them do that, then I've done my job. You refer to that as a financial mindset. Yes, I'm very big on the mindset that you have around money. And let's talk about that. What should a family keep in mind? Yeah, so a lot of people don't get taught the mindset part of money. You think of money and you go to maybe investments or something like that, but really money is a tool. It's not a goal. So when people say, I want to make a lot of money, then the next question is, okay, well, if you made a lot of money, what would you now be able to do that you couldn't do before? So my people, well, now I could buy a house with a big backyard to play with my kids, or you know, now I could stop doing a job that I don't like. It leads to something else, some goal that has nothing at all to do with money. It has to do with living. And so we try to help our clients see that it's not about having a large net worth on a piece of paper. It's about trying to enable yourself to be in a position to do more of the things that you want to do in life that make you happy and less of the things that you don't really like doing in your life. So that's really the whole goal to focus on. It's not money. Money is just a tool that can help enable us to do those things. Joseph, what are some steps a family can take to develop that mindset and make a better life, a better financial life for themselves? It's starting is always is always important and also hard. <laughs> the, the money mindset is really the, the first step. And then once you've kind of identified, okay, here are the things that I want to do, now you can start going into developing a plan. So sometimes when they say, you hear people say, oh, I want my money to work for me, it's kind of like, I want some good investment tips. But that's kind of, you know, that's further down the road. That's after you have the plan set up and established. So where I advise a lot of young families to start is where maybe not as the most fun, but is to deal with different forms of protection. So if you think about kind of like your home, you probably have to have homeowner's insurance. It's part of the requirement. And you have that because if your home were to burn down to the ground, you would probably not have the money to be able to build it back up again. That could financially devastate you and your family. That could wipe you out. So those are the types of things that we want to make sure we're always protecting. And unfortunately, things like life insurance and disabilities. So if you get disabled or if you were to pass away, we're not forced to get those. So you might have a little bit through work or maybe you chose to get some on the side, but that's really where you need to start. Make sure you protect your family in the case of a catastrophic event. The washer machine might come with an extra warranty if you pay an extra hundred bucks, but that's not something, you know, washer machine breaks, you'll be able to fix it probably go on with your life. So I really encourage people to start with that protection. You know, if you think of like building a house, you start with the foundation, all these forms of protection are what you want in the foundation of kind of your financial house, so to speak. So that's the first main one that I go through with people with steps to take. 
The second main one that I go through is make sure you pay yourself first. I'm sure everybody right now that's listening to this does not always focus on that. You have a lot of expenses in life, but I'm sure you work really, really hard for your money. We all do. And so it kills me when I talk to people and they're giving all of their money away to other people every single month. They give it away to the grocery store. They give it away to the the mortgage company. They give it away to the cell phone company. All these people, you work really hard and then you give all this money away. And so I'd like to say like at least 5%, ideally 10 to 15% of the money that you're making, pay it towards yourself, save it towards yourself. Out of everybody in this world, you and your family are the most important people. It's kind of disrespecting yourself not to give a piece of your money to you. And I, I know it's hard. I know it's not always easy for everybody in different scenarios. But the example that I'll use is, you know, like if your child got sick, and they needed a medication that costs fifty to one hundred dollars a month. Today, you would come up with that money. I, I mean, I have two kids. I would come up with that money. I don't know where I'd find it, but I would get it. And so, treat yourself with kind of a similar level of respect, a similar level of urgency. It doesn't have to be a thousand dollars a month that you're saving. Fifty, a hundred, build up over time. Anything that you put away towards you is a step in that right direction. Can you give us some hints of how to involve the children in that process? Kids aren't going to be taught anything at school from what I've seen more times than not. Now, you guys may have some certain resources that may be against the trend, which is phenomenal. But most people you know, here and in other countries really don't get too much financial literacy education. So what you can do to involve the kids is actually just talk to them about money. Money can oftentimes be this taboo sort of a thing. You know, it's not appropriate or it's, you know, uh, you don't talk about money at the table. Your mom and dad handle that. You don't have to worry about that. And what you're really doing is denying them an education. You're denying them a framework to build upon. They're going to come up with some mindset on their own. It might be a music video that they see online. It might be their friends, all sources that you probably don't want influencing their mindset when it comes to money. And so they'll come out and when they get a job, they're going to be maybe spenders or savers or just afraid of dealing with anything because they have no idea what's going on. So it's on you to, to kind of develop that. And it doesn't have to be even a formal coursework. If you involve them with like, hey, here's how I pay the bills online, or here's why I use credit cards for this instead of this. Mom, I really want to buy this at the store. Well, we're going to try to limit ourselves right now because we have this really fun summer vacation. So showing them the relationship between money here versus money later. These are all really easy things that people can do that they tend not to do because we feel like money isn't appropriate to maybe discuss with kids. And I would I would recommend the exact opposite of that. I like the fact that you just say, just include them in the conversation. Quick personal story. I have six children and oh. five of them are daughters. And they have long hair. <laughs> and we, we were discovering that by the time they blow dried their hair, they showered, the hot water and the electricity bills were going like crazy. My husband decided that he wanted to help teach them something. So he set up a separate account, put a budgeted amount in for the power bill and the gas bill. And then he turned it to them to pay online. So they would take turns and rotate between the the month to pay a bill online. And if they stayed within budget, that was great. But anything that they saved could go into a special account for travel. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Talk about motivation. It was remarkable. If they went over, well, of course that came out back out of that travel. Yeah. (laughs) And such a motivating opportunity, but it taught them the real value of money because they could actually, like you said, pay yourself in a way that they hold back just a little bit 
pay yourself before you're giving it away to everybody else. Biggest difference we've ever seen in our power bills were during <laughs> those, those years when the girls were taking care of them. And we saved enough in a couple of years to go to Disney World. And it was just a remarkable experience because they earned it themselves. So I, I love involving families. I love involving children. Why are finances for young families different than, than someone that's a little older? Yeah. So, I mean, first of all, I, I love that that story that, that you went through and I love how it ties it to something that's not just like, oh, you, they got to keep the extra, like the extra went towards something that was a living life kind of a thing. And it was with the family. So that, that's fantastic. When it comes to young families versus people in other situations, the main differences are one, young families kind of expect that they shouldn't know what to do for some reason, or they don't have resources to go to. You might have like, uh, I'm supposed to have a 401k, I check that box, or I'm supposed to have you know life insurance, I, I have some, I don't have enough, I'll check that box. What you realize is that you still go to bed at night feeling anxious and not comfortable, because even though you're checking those boxes, you have no idea if, if they're sufficient enough. And like I said, because there's no education, the only other option would be to go to uh, some kind of a professional resource. In our society, unfortunately, most of the professional resources are geared towards people already about to retire because that's where most of the assets have built up. And in school, you can't learn everything. I'm not saying everybody has to learn everything. I, I don't know how to do any plumbing, but as a 30-year-old or as a 60-year-old, I have access to plumbers, equal access to plumbers. So it can be a little challenging for younger people. And I try to get the message out that you are allowed to use an advisor when you're young. You are allowed to go out and help. There are people and resources out there that will help you. I love working with young families because I can make such an impact in their life. We have clients who, you know, maybe they wouldn't have bought a pool if it wasn't for us showing them that they're on such a good track that they can afford to do that. And now they'll have memories with their kids that they would have never had if I didn't talk to them. So that's like the feeling I get from that. I can't really even measure. I can't really explain. So don't just assume that because you're young, that you shouldn't be proactively trying to take steps. It shouldn't just be all worried about that when I'm older, because you know, when I'm about to retire, then I go speak to somebody. When I have somebody come in my office that's about to retire, it's pretty much like, well, I hope you did everything right the last 40 years because I don't have any time left to really help you. The younger you are, the easier it is to make really life-changing decisions, life-changing paths. Like you can really get in a position where you're on just a phenomenal trajectory and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't hurt you that much to, to get in that position. It's like carrying a little marble around in your pocket all the time instead of waiting until retirement and trying to shove a bowling ball in there. So it's uh, the, the younger you are, the better it is. Thank you, Joseph. Let's talk about some things that are children specific, like savings accounts, credit cards, allowances. What do you think of those? I mean, I think kids should definitely have, you know, savings accounts and learn how to put money aside. But when it comes to what they're putting it into, I would say don't write off investments or investment type accounts. Because, you know, if a young kid is not going to be using the money for 10 years or something like that, maybe out of college, they have time where if you use an appropriate investment, they have a much, much higher likelihood of growing it to be something substantial as opposed to just leaving it at a savings account where it's going to earn virtually nothing. So, you know, there are easy investment tools that are out there now. You don't have to be a stock picker. You don't, you can go out there and look for what they call asset allocation funds, where all you have to know is, am I a moderate investor? Am I aggressive investor? Am I a conservative investor? And then any of those names you see on TV, whether it's Vanguard or T. Rowe Price or JP Morgan, they have those funds that, those allocation funds that you can kind of plug into. So it diversifies and spreads you out kind of a little bit everywhere all the time kind of mentality. So it's an easy way for new and smaller investors to kind of get acclimated 
without having to you know, be some, some high-level portfolio manager. So I would say, first of all, don't discount maybe using an account like that. Secondly, I would say that for when it comes to credit cards, credit cards and building credit specifically is really, really important. So, I mean, job applications, they'll check your credit a lot of times now. And what a credit score is not, it's not telling you that, oh, this person has a good credit score because they're really good at not using credit. Credit scores are showing how well you are at being given credit, being given debts, and paying them responsibly. So it's a responsibility score, not a whether you have it or not score. And from their perspective, if somebody has no credit, it's like a complete question mark. Someone with no credit is much scarier than somebody that has average or below average credit. That person that's an unknown might be terrible with money. Having credit cards, having some degree of loans is not necessarily a bad thing. Good ways that you can monitor that would be for credit cards. You know, you want to just use it on things you're going to buy anyway. If you're starting to buy extra stuff because you have a credit card, that's a problem. But if you're using it just to buy gas and groceries or things that you normally would buy anyway, now you're getting to build up that credit in a positive way. Uh, the only other thing I'll throw out there for some people is what the most common credit cards that people tend to come across are department store credit cards, where it might be Macy's or whoever else. And those have very low limits on them. So it might be like a $1,000 limit. And so when you put $800 on it, what the credit card company says is, oh, this person's not that responsible because they're using up 80% of what was given to them. So you try to have one credit card or two credit cards and every year or so ask to increase the credit limit, not because you're going to use more, but because now all your ratios are going to keep looking lower and lower which is a sign of being very responsible. They're giving me a $20,000 limit, but I only spend a thousand. That's a very low ratio. Definitely proactively building up credit is, is more and more important in today's age. Allowances, I'll preface this with, uh, I never got an allowance, so I'm completely biased against them. <laughs> I had to do my chores uh, and not get paid. So for, for allowances, I'm a little bit uh, skeptical about it just because it Ken, I've seen friends that uh, when I was growing up that got allowances, they treated it like a never-ending piggy bank. Oh, if I waste the money this week, I'll just get some more next week. Uh, if you tie chores on top of that, they don't get the money until they do some chores. Maybe you, you know, you offset that a little bit, but I still am a bigger fan of the matching kind of a system where they need to go out, they need to work. I'll put money away for you. Same kind of a thing. I'll put money away for you, but it's going to be separate from what you can touch. And I'm going to use that money to teach you a lesson about compounding interest, time horizon, not having money as the goal, having some future happiness kind of thing as the goal. So that would be, a, again, biased opinion on that. Joseph, that makes a lot of sense. Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate it. I didn't have an allowance either. I love your phrase, an endless piggy bank. Yeah. <laughs> I witnessed that. I saw my friends have dollars and dollars coming out of their pockets, but it was simply wasted most of the time. Yeah. I would say sometimes it was even like, ah, oh, I have $10 left. I got to go buy something because you know I got to spend it. It's like, it's almost teaching the reverse. Like if you have money, you have to spend it. It's like teaching bad lessons almost in that case. I want to keep stressing it. It's very much on you as the parents to make sure they have some level of knowledge. Kids emulate everything we do. My five and my two-year-old, if I you know do something that I shouldn't do, I quickly know because now they're doing it and I have to tell them, no, no, daddy didn't mean to do that. Don't do that anymore. They're going to emulate you and they'll emulate you when it comes to money too. If they see you being responsible, if they see you talking about it, 
pay myself first. I put money into my work plan. Uh, you know, I make sure I got the right forms of protection. I make sure that I have a vacation fund. I put anything that you could do and talk about, you're educating them. And even if you don't see it come out right away, it's building up subconsciously in there and some of it's going to stick. And when they have to go out and manage their own affairs, they're going to be in a much better position, a much more educated position to make sound decisions for themselves. Excellent. What about a teen job? When a student takes on a job, what should they be thinking when it comes to dollars? Well, one of the the good things, the things that I love, and I'll relate this to parents, is creating some kind of a matching program. So when a child is working, so let's say that the child earns, you know, $2,000 one summer, you could say, okay, for every dollar you you earn, I'll match 50% of that and put it into an account for you for the future. So when you earn money that you report, (laughs) you know, earned money, now you're eligible for, let's say a Roth IRA, which is a tax-free growing vehicle that you could, if you have earned money, you can use. So if you put $1,000 into that Roth IRA, that would now grow tax-free for the next, let's say, 40 years until they retire. So you get an opportunity to teach your kid, hey, you know, this $1,000, let's say, that I put into this account for you, if it, let's say, it grows at 10% until your retirement, now that might be worth over $40,000, which translates into, hey, you can retire one year earlier. So we get to teach them about money. We get to teach them about saving. We get to teach them about compounding interest, money growing on itself, how much it can grow to. Uh, We show them about the importance of time. (laughs) The longer time you have, the bigger it can grow into. And then lastly, we can teach them about how money is a tool. So that's not 40,000. It's a year earlier of retiring. To me, I love if a kid has a job uh, where they're earning some money, you as the parent can now step in and and do this kind of matching thing to set them up retirement-wise and teach them all of these lessons that would be very hard to teach them otherwise, at least in my opinion. That is an excellent kind of education that will have dividends, literally. Literally dividends, yeah. (laughs) Well, Joseph, thank you for your time today. I've enjoyed speaking with you. And you know, I've really enjoyed listening to your podcast. I want to remind our listeners that it's called Enjoy More 30s Family Finance Podcast. And you have some specific advice for young families that will get them on the right financial track. So I encourage you to go take a look at that Enjoy More 30s Family Finance Podcast with host Joseph Oakley. I'm doing this just because I want to help people. And I think it's embarrassing as a country that we don't educate our youth more than we do. So that's why I'm doing it. Thank you, Joseph. It's been a joy to visit with you today. And uh, any last words? Uh, I would just say that the fact that you may not be, be fully familiar with all these concepts now don't let that stop you from taking positive steps forward. You're not alone. You're, you're actually the majority. Focus on taking positive steps forward. You don't have to do everything we talked about. If you do one thing that we talked about today, one step forward, then, then you're on a better path than you were already. And that's fantastic. Thank you for listening to K-12 on Learning, sponsored by Stride. To learn more about online public schools powered by Stride K-12, our Stride Career Prep programs that foster lifelong learning, or any of our private school or individual course offerings, please go to stridelearning.com or k12.com. Remember to subscribe to this podcast and feel free to leave us a good review. We hope you'll join us next time for K-12 on Learning.